American Redoubt Radio Operators Network and is a nationwide disaster preparedness network made up of patient-oriented radio operators. So, Amron phonetically, Alpha, Mike, Romeo, Romeo, Oscar, November. This is a directed net, so please hold any traffic until that control station calls for it. Any emergency traffic may break in at any time. Whether you're seasoned or new, this is the place for patriots, preppers, and partisans who understand the necessity of being able to receive and share information with others. Either grid up or grid down. When conventional communications are disrupted or compromised, this is Partisan Radio. Welcome everyone to Volume 17. I wanted to give you a quick debrief on what we experienced this week with uh, one of who knows how many more uh, Amron deployments in a grid down situation where multiple towns are evacuated and many more could be here in the next uh, coming days. But it gave us an opportunity to serve. Let me give you the quick rundown. And this was an email that I sent out to uh, some uh, individuals in leadership positions and uh, key key folks uh, that helped with the operation uh, with the uh, wildfires and the Amron deployment. First of all, I want to thank those operators who went with me, codename Patriot Drum and codename Yosha uh, would not have been possible without you guys. Thank you so much for your servant hearts and your willingness um, your can-do attitude and just uh, just having great, great attitudes and being involved. I also want to thank the operators who supported us from the outside with the continuous flow of information, staying on frequency, being there for us despite uh, band conditions and difficulties that we were having on site with interference from uh, generators, from uh, various different antennas, trying to experiment with different antenna configurations uh, to get us out of there and uh, or to be able to reach out of there. It was it was an overwhelming success, but there were definitely some lessons learned and uh, there were some eye opening experiences and some things that I want to pass along to you guys as food for thought as you consider mobilizing as Amron teams in your areas with coming crises or disasters that you may have to deal with in, uh, in your regions and your states, your communities. So here's a quick debrief email that I sent out and I'll read it to you. Uh, this was after I got, we got in late last night, bedraggled, living on about three hours of sleep a night for three nights and, and the driving and doing communication shifts. And this is what I wrote. We made it in tonight, and we not only reek like smoke, but we're physically and mentally smoked. The Amron core team was so awesome, both those who deployed with me and those who provided continuous support for us across the region. And a special thank you goes out to codename Major Payne for the hard work that he did giving us uh, Emergency Operations Center, the county EOC uh, situation reports, and other news from the area, from around the area to keep us informed. Uh, and relaying uh, did a lot of heavy lifting for relaying traffic. And it just wouldn't have been possible uh, without you guys doing that for us on the outside. So we're very grateful. We were in the town of Concanoli, Washington on Friday and Saturday, which was completely grid down. No power, water, phone, internet, cell phones, etc. 
Although the town was under a level three evacuation, an Amron operator who lives there guided us in, bypassing the barricades and getting us through to the town. The National Guard arrived at the barricades after us, and that's located 19 miles south of the town, and they established a manned checkpoint preventing anyone else from coming into the area, and that occurred Saturday. So our timing couldn't have been better. We were introduced to the mayor and the fire chief, who uh, we introduced ourselves to them as Amron operators and told them that we were there to provide last resort communications in the event that the town gets cut off by fire and the repeater or repeaters or repeater is destroyed and that we were there to pass welfare traffic such as emails and texts to cell phones outside the area via ham radio they gave us the community hall which is like a grange hall the full kitchen in the back of course there's no water or electricity but it gave us an area to prepare our, our own food. We became self-reliant. We set up a SIGSEN, a signal center, and we went to work passing traffic in and out of the town and handled a quite a bit of welfare traffic. The town was 95% evacuated except for a couple city administrators, the fire department, and a few residents who refused to leave. Looting is a major problem in the towns being evacuated, so two residents patrolled in vehicles all night, and we provided our own security. There were two separate fires threatening the town from two directions, one to the north and one to the south. The one that was closest from the north could be seen several hundred yards south uh, north of the town, and the other about three quarters of a mile to the south of the town, about a mile south of the town up on the hill. The fire department waited for the fire to reach the edge of town on the north side, which was about 300 yards away from our location. Once the fire reached within about 300 yards of us, which was right in the city limits, but on the edge of the town, they brought in seven to nine fire trucks and crews and attacked it for several hours. We had to be ready to evacuate within five minutes, which meant critical gear such as radios, guns, computers, and then the plan was to come back for whatever was left later. Winds at our location were 30 miles an hour from the north, and the fire was coming from the north. Winds at the OMAC airport on Saturday were reported to us to be 60 miles per hour, which led to much of the destruction and the loss of structures on Friday. Uh, we had 30-mile-an-hour winds at, at the town of Conconoli on Friday. The fire in Conconoli was stopped right at the edge of the town, 300 yards away from our location. And during our time in the town, we had handled several welfare messages to and from loved ones using ham radio to send and receive emails and cell phone texts. We also handled administrative messages and some other administrative uh, traffic emails from the city administrators to the U.S. Forest Service and they had a deadline of Friday, and they had to get that in, and we were able to assist with that. And uh, passed messages between firefighter elements coordinating the delivery of heavy equipment for building fire breaks. Our number one mission was to provide communications if the town was cut off. Secondary was to provide administration and welfare traffic. We never had to go to mission number one. But we did a lot of the other traffic, for which many folks in the town were very grateful. 
It had a positive effect on the morale of those who used our services. They were extremely hospitable and offered us coffee, food, and places to sleep. We came self-sufficient, though, but we were thankful for their offers. We were just thrilled that we had solid shelter and didn't have to set up the wall tent. We met a lot of very wonderful people who were as much of a blessing to us as, as they said that we were to them. We blew the media off and had had to de-escalate some over-ambitious county emergency office officials who stopped by on Saturday and who wanted all information going out of the area to go through them first. I was polite and professional, but after some firm diplomacy, they decided that any traffic we passed didn't have to go through their office after all. In fact, I got a WinLink email from their county EOC director two hours later asking for assistance with programming some volunteers' baofangs they couldn't connect to the the linked repeater we were monitoring and using, and now everyone's happy and tired. Mission accomplished. Uh, There's still so much devastation, and the fires continue to burn out of control and uncontained in many cases. We need to get some rest and take showers, and everything we have reeks like smoke, but it's a rewarding feeling to help others in need. What a blessing. Okay, so let's talk about communications. Uh, First of all, going in, uh, we were in constant communication with uh, Amron Corps, many Amron Corps operators. They were feeding us intel as we were going in. Uh, We went in blind. We had no idea who we were going to contact. Uh, Well, we knew there was an Amron member who sent us the initial plea for help saying, it wasn't even a plea for help. It was just, this is my firsthand situation, firsthand account on the ground. We narrowly escaped, went through flames. The town's evacuated. We don't know if it's still standing. I'd been corresponding with him on the phone. We knew that there were grid down towns all over the place and there would be a desperate need for communications. We put the word out to Amron members in Oregon, Washington, and Idaho to be monitoring and to let those in the affected area know we would be monitoring 7242 on voice in case anyone needed to call out for help. And that's when I got the letter from this Amron member who was in OMAC, Washington, where most of the evacuees and refugees were all located. This is where they all converged. And we decided there was a need. Something had to be done. Communications needed to happen. And we knew that the, the systems there were completely overloaded as far as emergency services. One Amron, and this is an interesting development, the attitude of bureaucracies. An Amron operator said, uh, who is very involved in Aries and Racies, says, I'm going to put the word out to let them know that the Amron is going to be on 7242 in case they want to get, you know, listen in for firsthand accounts of developments and intelligence and and uh, any kind of aid, relief efforts. And the response was astounding, but not surprising. The response was, we don't. We have not been in, we have not, our assistance has not been requested. We're talking Aries here. 
the Amateur Radio Emergency Service, the, the disaster communications portion of the ARRL. His response was, we have not been, our assistance has not been requested and we do not act on our own. The ARRL has very strict guidelines and we don't work with other communications organizations. He said, I have heard of Amron and for the same reason, we don't work with other communications organizations. They may have different procedures and may not do things the same way. And they could do something that reflects poorly on us. This is uh, a regional director for Aries. So we were mobilizing already. We were packing up, we were loading, and we were getting ready to go. And that's when I got this. And I, I was so... I understand the frustration of those that are involved in official MCOMs, emergency communications. There's a need, but they will sit on their hands and do nothing when people are in need. And that is the flexibility you have as a, a citizen and not tied to a government agency. When something needs to be done, you can take care of business without having to worry about the bureaucracy of it. There's been a couple different cases, three different situations that I'm hearing from people. And this is on an official level, Aries director. We're not going to act because nobody told us to. And we don't do things the same way. So they could do something to embarrass us or to make us look bad. So... We mobilized. We rolled into town completely blind. We were not under anyone's orders except that I was corresponding with the Coalition of Western States, leadership, leaders, community leaders, clergy, and legislators. They were very supportive of what we were doing and very appreciative of it. And they requested situation reports so they could have good situational awareness about what was going on. We... Asked because legitimacy is important. I asked codename Delta, do you have a pastor there? Is there a leader, somebody that we could report to? We're looking for, we weren't trying to act on our own, but we needed to act independently and autonomously, but we wanted to serve where we were needed. And we went there looking just to assess we had no game plan. The game plan was, let's get in, get on the ground, let's assess, find out where the needs are, and then whatever we can do to meet those needs in case there's communications not happening. If we can help make that happen, we will. So while official individuals are sitting there with their fingers up their noses, there were patriots who went into action in a supportive outside role and those on the ground. Tango 05 immediately went to work, working on repeater book directory uh, information to develop a, a chirp file for us and had it all prepped and ready to go. So I was able to download that and program the radio with this chirp file on the local repeaters in the area. 
This is teamwork. This is making it happen. Now, you should know the repeaters in your area because that's going to help those that are coming into the area. Delta, codename Delta, was not familiar enough. He's not a licensed ham, although he has a Baofeng. He hadn't been he hadn't become proficient with it. So he was not able to assist us with good, accurate, up-to-date, current repeater information. So we had to go with online directories. And as it turns out, at least half of the frequencies that we had were not any good. Now, some of the repeaters were damaged by fire, but some of them, they were just bad frequencies. Because when we tried keying up, it would not, it would not trip the repeaters. Uh, they were they were not uh, valid usable frequencies. Some of them were. We actually got tied into a linked repeater system. Now the linked repeater system happens to be falling under the control of a tyrant, a tyrant involved in emergency operations who uh, is actually has gone so far as to threaten other ham operators for not falling falling under his direction and who's been telling people falsely that uh, they are not allowed to communicate only Aries and Racy's people can communicate uh, on ham radio uh, very interesting the egalitarian and the supremacy mindset that sets in for those in so-called official capacities. Now, there are some great ham operators out there, some great folks that are involved in Aries and Racy's. But there's a problem because Aries, Racy's folks were not on the ground where we were, where the need was. We were escorted into the town and we were introduced to the mayor and the fire chief. We were told them why we were there. And they warmly greeted us. In fact, they turned around and pointed to the Grange, which is the community hall right across the street from the fire department. And they said, that's yours. Make yourself at home. Thank you for being here. We told them that our two missions were, A, to make sure that there was a lifeline to the outside in case that community got cut off by fire, and two, to handle welfare traffic. Traffic. We immediately began setting up. We had a generator. We had backup battery power. And the generator, we later learned, was causing some severe interference, not only our signal coming in, but our signal going out, which made it much more difficult for us to transfer RMS, email, uh, digital modes, and voice. It created a very high noise level. So that's something that we're going to be revisiting and looking for a solution to that. Very quiet on batteries, but when we're running computers and batteries and our radios, uh, it took a toll on the batteries. We needed the generator to charge the batteries. So we had to adjust to that. As it turns out, we were able to handle several welfare traffic in the form of emails. So what we did was we pulled up the RMS Express. We pulled up a new email and we told them you could uh, send an email to your loved ones because the loved ones on the outside knew that their family member was in the town of Conconoli, but they all they heard was there's fires everywhere, the town's cut off, there's no way to communicate, and the town is under evacuation. And it was. It was under 95% evacuation. The town was complete. It was empty. It was just a ghost town. It was surreal. 
with fire coming from the north and the south. And we could visibly see the fires to the north and the south converging on the town. And the firefighters were organizing an attack plan and waiting for the fire to come down off the hill to the town where they could attack it, which they later did. Now, throughout the day on Friday, there were folks that we were able to send email messages to. Now, if you're new to this, on HF radio, that's high-frequency radio bands, you can connect to multiple nodes, and there's hundreds of nodes around the world. So we connected to British Columbia, Oregon, uh, south of Seattle over by the coast, Utah, uh, Northern California. There were nodes that we connected to who are connected to the Internet. So we send an email and connect to that node, which is connected to the Internet, through the WinLink system. Our email, or the email of this firefighter or city administrator or uh, the, the park service ranger who wants to let his daughter know that he's alive and because she's worried sick about him, he can fire, just write in their normal email address, you know, billybob at yahoo.com, whatever it is. And when we connect, that email goes out into the system from radio through the node into the internet and to, say, daughter's computer where she retrieves her email. In fact, <clears throat> one of, the, one of the, the highlights was when an hour and a half later, I connect to the node and she responds with an email to him. And I was able to track him down and tell him, hey, you got, a, you got an email from your daughter. You should have seen the look on his face. He uh, was almost in tears. He was so excited that he got to let her know he's okay, not knowing if she was really actually going to get it, and then to hear back from her and to share their sentiments with each other through email, even though they're completely cut off from the world. It was so satisfying to know that you were that link for them. So WinLink, you can go to winlink.org and you can download the free software and it's for email if you have HF radio. Now, you can actually use WinLink if, if you're connected directly to the internet. But if you have no internet connection, uh, you can connect to your radio using your signal link, just like sending out any other digital mode. And uh, there's a directory of nodes in there. That's a whole different lesson. Maybe we'll do a tutorial on that. But what a blessing. There's a city administrator that had a deadline to get some information to the U.S. Forest Service with their city's fire department and the U.S. Forest Service. And there was no way to get the information to them by the Friday deadline. So she came across the street and says, can you help me get an email out? And we did. There were also, there's a way to send texts to cell phones, uh, just like you would normally send a text, but you do it via email. Now, you can do this from your own computer. You can go into your email and you can type the phone number and the provider. There's a certain way you got to put it in. And when you hit send, it comes to somebody's cell phone as a text. So there were several instances where we were able to send texts, not to only to our own loved ones, but to also other Amron members and leaders 
to keep them informed of what was going on. And there was one firefighter who came in and says, we've got equipment sitting. We got to get it moved up on that hill so we can build a fire break. Can you send a text for me? We said, absolutely. Now, to be, to confess, I went in unprepared because I forgot in my haste, getting packed up to leave, to grab my directory, my little cheat sheet of how to send a text to various different service providers, because there's a difference whether you're using Boost or Verizon or AT&T, Singular, all of these. And I left it. So I was able to send an email to an Amron core operator over the radio saying, I need this directory for cell phone service providers. He did the research and emailed it back to me. Then I had it in my hands. So when people walked through the door and said, can you send a text? We were able to say, absolutely. So we just simply pulled up the what looks like an email, like a normal email program, have them type in the phone number and the service provider in the address line. And we told them, make sure you put something in the subject line so that they know that it's coming from you because they're not going to recognize this, uh, the sender, which is me. So then type in your text in the body and uh, post it to the outbox when you're done. And we were able to send texts, including a text between the firefighters who were trying to coordinate getting this heavy equipment moved up onto the mountain where they had to build a fire break. So we had real world missions, welfare checks and administrative. We were able to help the local government with administrative tasks. We were able to help the local fire department coordinate with official business and uh, firefighting coordination. And we were able to keep them in touch with their loved ones. That's a real world mission in a real world disaster in a grid down environment in an isolated evacuated town that is literally under fire from two directions. That was an amazing experience and what made it all worth it. And you know what? We didn't have to wait to be invited. We didn't have to wait to be authorized. We didn't have to worry about some other agency not wanting to set up disaster communications because we might not follow the exact same procedures and do something that might reflect poorly on them. And what's bizarre is what reflected poorly on them is their inaction. While they're sitting there waiting for orders and towns and homes are burning down, we were able to get information out timely. In hours, we were on site. So you want to talk about, for the Aries directors out there, you want to know what makes you look poorly is not working with others other citizens who are making it happen. And I am so stinking proud of the Amron operators out there that were on the air supporting us. They missed out. They missed out. Those who failed to respond in a time of need missed out on a blessing that words can hardly describe. The looks on the faces, the gratitude of the citizens, that somebody cared enough to go, not for their own glory, but for the mission, to serve others, just to serve others. There was a need, and we were able to, to fill that need. And that's a blessing. Now, 
When we were there, we also got a great real-world opportunity to demonstrate and to operate the Black Echo Project. Uh, I'm going to put this up as a separate posting. I had a sign with the Radio Free Readout logo tuned to this frequency, and it's 107.5 FM with the FM broad transmitter. And we were also broadcasting on the FM dial because there was one station, they were just playing music. And that's the only station that this town can receive. So we set up Radio Free Readout, Black Echo Station on 107.5 FM and put the sign right up there so administrators, firefighters, and other citizens coming in and out of the town could, uh, could see it and tune in. And they were. And they were so grateful for it. So we did play music for it, but we were breaking in regularly. I'm going to post about, I have about a 17-minute recording of, uh, of us covering on, on Black Echo, and I'm going to post that for you. They were very grateful. They felt reconnected as part of a community. It felt like a community again. It felt, well, actually, they said it, was, it gave them a great sense of uh, a peace of mind. Because we were also able to give them news and updates on the fires and the situation. And when they renewed the evacuation, as the fire was bearing down on the town from the north, we were able to, the fire chief came over, informed us, and we were able to put that out over the air. That is a public service. That is a community service. And it was, it was just, a, it was a great system. It was a great, it was great. What more can I say? Black Echo worked. We were getting updates and news from other ham operators, Amron operators, who were following the the Emergency Operations Center uh, official reports, um, reports from on the ground, what we were monitoring on the linked repeater system from other operators, ham operators that were reporting new fires, new developments, road closures, and we were able to put that out to the community who otherwise were completely cut off from that information. So as ham operators were pulling in that information and conveying it out over the FM uh, broadcast to this whole little town, which is what, 700 yards across? <laughs> but it was, it was just, it was great. It was a good, it was a good, good deployment. And it might not be our last. That situation is not over. Now, something else that's interesting that happened. There were people abusing, I guess I would use the word abusing, social media. There were rampant rumors. Oh, this town's burned to the ground. Oh, that fire's overtaking that town. Oh, this road's cut off. And they were, they're putting stuff out, causing panic, where it was false information. It was like playing telephone, where the more you pass the information on, the worse it gets. The county decided it had to get a grip on this. So there, there was a two-person team, this guy with a fancy reflective vest from the county emergency operations center and his uh, clipboard-carrying gal who rolled into our town. Conconoli was their first stop. So they come waltzing in. Hey, what do you guys? Uh, what do you guys got going on here? Well, we're passing traffic. We are delivering information, uh, reporting on the situation on the ground here, and we are keeping the town informed. And we are handling welfare traffic. He says, "Well, 
there's a lot of bad information being passed around by people. And we're trying to get a control on it. So where are you getting your information? I said, well, we're getting reports from the Emergency Operations Center, the county EOC. And she says, well, that's us. I said, well, I can't help you then. People are putting out bad information. I'm putting out information from what you're putting out. And you're having a problem. So is there a problem? Oh, no, no, no. Anyway... They want to know who we were working for and what we were doing. And then he says, you need, we need to have you run all of your information that you put out through our office first. And uh, I was diplomatic. Uh, I can't recall exactly what I said, but I did tell them that we don't report to the Emergency Operations Center. We are actually sending out situation reports to the Coalition of Western States and Representative Matt Shea and Representative Heather Scott are waiting on reports. So they completely changed their attitude. Uh, it was an instant transformation. And we really were putting putting out situation reports and uh, they were eagerly awaiting for our next reports. But it was interesting how they thought that we needed to send all of our information going to and from through their office first. Well, we ended up exchanging information, and I got a WinLink email from their county emergency operations center about an hour later requesting assistance because they were trying to get Baofangs programmed for their volunteers. And they were unaware of this linked repeater system that links Republic Washington all the way over to Tenasket, about, I don't know, 150 miles across. And that's where we were getting a lot of our information. Up to date, current information with the ham operators on the ground that are reporting on this linked repeater system, which they had apparently were unaware of it. So anyway, uh, it, was, it was just a good, great, great experience. And the other thing, too, when they were asking who we were there operating under, we were able to say the mayor and the fire chief put us up here so that we could pass traffic and help with communications. And their demeanor changed. There's so much value in legitimacy. If you look and act like you are not official, because the townspeople are leery of those people in an official. You don't want to come up wearing a badge and looking like you're from the county because that right now is just going to rub people the wrong way. They're not very happy with the way things are being ran. But we just came up and said, this is who we are. This is what we're here to provide. And if you need us, and if they said, oh, we don't want you here because you're not official, we were like, fine. We would have packed up and left and went to the next town. But they were they eagerly accepted us and were grateful. In fact, the firefighters come over, they talk to us, they hang out, they get information. They're using our services for welfare traffic and uh, passing messages to the loved ones and even official traffic with no orders. Nobody telling us 
We had to be officially in, uh, requested. We just did it because you know what? It had to be done and nobody was doing it. How hard is that? That's your standard for deploying. If there's a need and something has to be done and nobody is doing it and you're able to, do it. Just do it. And people are grateful. No bureaucracy, no red tape. Now, what we did was we operated on HF. Mostly 40 meters on the hour when I could. And there were times when I couldn't because we were scheduled to be voice 7242 on the hour, every hour. And then at 30 minutes, we would switch over to RMS Express so we could exchange emails. The 40 meter band was being very difficult with us at times. Sometimes it opened up wide up and it was great. And other times it was just closed. We tried to go to 80 meters and we had some severe interference from uh, something in, in the, the, the building, something in our equipment. Uh, even when the generator was shut off, something was interfering and we were unable to use the 80 meter band. We had some serious uh, RFI, radio frequency interference, in that band. So we had to go back to 40 meters. That made it difficult at times because we had a hard time connecting. And then other times it was great. It's a learn as you go. We were going to experiment with some various different uh, generators. I need a Honda 1000i or 2000i generator. I have a Generac generator, and it is a great generator, but it is great for running lights or keeping a freezer going. It is not good for electronics. Uh, it has the square wave uh, RFI interference. It's horrible. I don't have the money for a Honda generator. Now, if somebody out there is wealthy and looking for a way to support us, if, if you could help us buy a Honda generator for these deployments to help support us with that, that clean uh, electronic uh, power for running, we, we would be very grateful. And we would make sure that that would be properly maintained and used for emergency communications. Uh, I mean, Amron Radio for Redoubt headquarters should have one. But, uh, you know, it's all that stuff costs money. So um, that's about all I have right now. I'd love to have your questions and then add those to this, this review. But I'm going to uh, go ahead and wrap up. I just want to give you the, the brief overview of what we did. Oh, the other thing I did was set up a Twitter account, and I was putting out tweets up until we went into no cell phone territory, no coverage, and that's when we fell off the face of the earth because we were in grid down. So uh, that's another thing that you could coordinate uh, with. I had uh, Bravo Charlie 08. I was sending him information periodically to post on the Twitter account, but it'd be interesting. I'd like to put together a deployment packet that incorporates all these things like setting up a Twitter account, who to feed it to, where to get your chirp files from, assigning somebody to develop a chirp file for all of the frequencies of the area you're going into. Because if you are part of the deployment team, you don't have time to do all that stuff. That's why you need a support element to be working on these little peripheral tasks to be shooting that stuff to you because you're trying to get loaded. You're trying to get packed and the phone's ringing and people are calling you and 
you're coordinating with people on the ground that are there. Uh, you're coordinating with other people that are trying to support you. You're trying to handle personal and family matters to make sure that that stuff is in order as much as possible. The logistics of it, making up lists, getting, you know, getting everything together is enough of a task. So I, you know, after Operation Premonition and then now this, uh, and of course, you know, the Sugar Pine Mine was another one where we didn't end up deploying, but we were like on the edge of deploying for that. We need to have a deployment packet put together for teams because one of you is going to have a forest fire. One of you is going to be hit or a bunch of you are going to be hit with a hurricane, uh, an earthquake. And uh, we need to be able to uh, be organized It's to make it more efficient to deploy and support one another. So uh, that is going to become one of my tasks. Now, I know we're behind on the T-Rex after action review, so I'm just going to have to flip this. I want to take care of this wildfire debrief first, and then this week I'm going to be working on T-Rex and get back on track with everything as long as the world doesn't fall apart like it's trying to. Uh, Keep your eye on the economic markets this week. Things uh, are becoming very unstable. As we go into September, we don't know what we have ahead of us, but we know the Lord is with us in all of it. So uh, with that, I will conclude. This is volume 17 of Partisan Radio. God bless all of you. And until we see each other again next week, this is John Jacob Schmidt, 73. As ready, trained communicators, right up to the present time, Radio hams have been busy every single minute. The ever-increasing group of radio amateurs who have equipped themselves at their own expense with two-way radio sets by amateurs who saw their opportunity to render a public service and paid off for Americans in trouble.